Hello, Cryptonauts. Welcome back to another episode of Cryptocurrency Chat. I am your host, Jake Chavarelli, with my co-host, Blockchain John, on episode 457, Sunday the 6th of November, here in the evening on the left coast of the U.S. of A. How's it going, John? It's going. It's going. It's actually a little chilly. I'm not used to the... Uh... We also had the time change today. Yeah, we did. Uh, that's off. That's throwing me <laughs> off too. Yeah, it's a little darker outside than it normally be at this time. So, uh, yeah, things are just getting our extra hour in, like weirdos that we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we have got six articles, as we almost always do every single time that we bring our our podcast online. So let's get to them. You want to lead us off here with this sure, week in Twitter, crypto so- Twitter. First one is uh, written by Tim Maki, provided by Decrypt.co. This week on Crypto Twitter, Musk polarizing Twitter takeover. Bum, bum, bum. This week, crypto finally appears to be out of the woods, although one can never be too sure in this industry. As crypto prices continue to climb for the second week, running Elon Musk tumultuous Twitter takeover also entered its second week. Many cryptos see the Tesla CEO's new acquisition to be a good thing. After all, he's bullish on Dogecoin and owns millions of dollars worth of Bitcoin through Tesla. But speculation that Twitter would be pivoting to crypto under his stewardship was just that speculation. Until this week, when Binance and Andreessen Horowitz pitched their tents in Camp Musk. All right, let's see. On Tuesday, Musk tweeted a picture of a dog in a Twitter t-shirt. Dogecoin pumped hard in response. Nice. Uh, That day, Musk again proposed the idea of charging users $8 a month for verified accounts. Several people connected the dots. Hmm. Binance CEO Shang-Peng Zhao CZ engaged with the idea and told CNBC that plans for a paid subscription could be, quote, done very easily globally using cryptocurrencies as a means of payment, end quote. Zhao also spoke about Binance's $500 million con- contribution to the takeover, saying crypto needs, quote, a space at the table when it comes to free speech, end quote. And there's that video there. You guys can check it out from Squawk Box. Ethereum co-founder Vitalik Buterin joined the discussion to say that he believes in Musk's subscription model, but that those applying for the blue tick would need to undergo a thorough vetting. And I agree. Sriram Krishnan, a general partner at venture capital giant Andreessen Horowitz, A16Z, shared a photo to his followers from Twitter's San Francisco's office. For those who don't know, A16Z is a major investor in blockchain, Web3, and other emerging technologies. And there's a photo of that. It's a big old office. Michael Saylor, the executive chairman of cloud software company MicroStrategy, the single biggest institution Bitcoin wealth chipped in his two Satoshis. And here, so let's read the uh, Elon Musk tweet real quick. So Twitter has had a massive drop in revenue due to activist groups uh, pressuring at advertisers, even though nothing has changed with content moderation. And we did everything we could to appease the activists. Extremely messed up. They're trying to destroy free speech in America. And Michael Saylor response, if Twitter offers a variety of verification options, the revenue model will switch to recurring subscriptions and advertising become irrelevant. Blue, uh, public figures, purple, corporations, green, individuals, orange, anonymous. Pricing can vary by account type slash characteristics. That's a pretty good idea. 
Solana co-founder Anatoly Yankovenko, however, was not one of Musk's yes-men this week. He thinks Musk is wrong to blame civilian activist groups for endangering free speech. And there's that response there. Bontole, I think you have it backwards. Activist groups like everyone else, including Twitter, are private citizens that are exercising their rights when they ask for ethical standards and moderation. If government did it, it would be monstrous. All right, the other side of Dogecoin. For many people, Musk's takeover was all fun and games until the mass layoffs started. Images of a formal letter announcing impending layoffs made the rounds early on Friday. And there's that letter there. A few minutes later, New York Times tech reporter Kate Cogner shared another official missive announcing the firings. And yes, people got fired. Lawyer Lisa Bloom reported a lot of backlash from Twitter employees. She said that Musk layoffs are illegal both under federal law and the state of California, where employers are required to give a to give 60-day notice. Really? Mm, interesting. <clears throat> One former Twitter employee shared his shocking story. And here's that from Jasin. Woke up to no Slack slash Gmail slash office access and laptop remotely wiped out. Got fired without even a confirmation email while sleeping. There's always a new low. Hashtag Twitter. <clears throat> the best of the rest. United States Securities and Exchange Commission Chief Gary Gensler, a.k.a. the sheriff of the Cryptoville, shared a birthday message for Bitcoin. Gensler believes that pretty much much all cryptocurrencies are securities. However, he previously uh, singled out Bitcoin as a commodity, which means he's granted the world's favorite cryptocurrency immunity from himself. Circle's director of European strategy policy, Patrick Hansen, on Tuesday shared an important announcement about the European Union's landmark new crypto legislation package, which will be getting enforced if passes a final vote by the European Parliament in February. Let's read that real quick. Here, this is from Patrick. A tweet from Patrick. Crypto influencers beware. Commenting on crypto assets in quote social media or social media without disclosure uh, and profiting from the effects of that will be considered market manipulation in the EU once Mika is in force. Wow. Are they going to enforce that on uh, people who don't live in the EU? <laughs> Good question. On Wednesday, an account called at the Skyhopper tallied up the damages caused by the industry's recent liquidity issues, which started earlier this summer in the wake of Terra's collapse. And wow, look at that list right there. All of these are either bankrupt or defaulted. Celsius, Voyager, Hot on Out, Zipmex, Coinflex, 3AC, Bald, Apple, Invictus, Blockwater, TPS. Wow. Crypto blogger Eric Wall said on Friday if, uh, that if Michael Saylor's MicroStrategy had invested the $3.98 billion it spent on crypto into Ethereum instead, it would be way up as opposed to where its investments actually is right now, currently underwater. Did you just say crypto instead of Bitcoin? <laughs> you just said $3.98 billion spent on crypto into and Ethereum. Spent on Bitcoin instead okay. of Ethereum. Like, that was weird to hear you say that, that Bitcoin was ubiquitous with crypto. Mm. Uh, South Korean authorities can void Do, Do Kwan's passport. They can issue him with an arrest warrant for allegedly violating capital market rules. But the 31-year-old Terra CEO and co-founder wants them and every other enforcer on the planet to know that he's not losing any sleep. And here's a tweet from Do Kwan. All right. I'll throw, I'll throw a meetup slash conference soon to get over this 
Aiden Diaz. Cops from the world over welcome to attend. Wow. Finally, Facebook's Metaverse Pivot is um, going really well. And here's a tweet from Unusual Wells. Facebook's parent company, Meta, is now the worst performer in the S&P 500 this year. Hmm. Hopefully it gets kicked out of the S&P 500. That'd be interesting, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. And that is the end of the crypto news of the week. It's the beginning of the end of Facebook. Continuing on, this week in coins, Doge coin outpaces bitcoin and ethereum amid musk twitter takeover of course there's more musk news and more doge news but we're all here for the doge crypto markets continue to see green for the second week running well most of them in a typical week market leaders bitcoin and ethereum set the pace for everyone else but this week they took a backseat to other impressive rallies it's the age of the altcoin bitcoin gained three percent over the last seven days and currently stands at twenty one thousand three fourteen. Ethereum rose nearly 2% during that time and trades for 2016-40. Both could have made more headway, but the U.S. Federal Reserve's announcement on Wednesday of yet another 0.75% interest rate hike for the fourth this year quickly scuppered their trajectory. Oops. Interest rates hikes are typically, but not always, met with bearish sentiment among investors who go for riskier assets like crypto and equities. The reason being that higher rates make it harder for people to borrow money, so broadly speaking, they hold on to their wealth and forego the chancier investments. On Friday, the two market leaders recovered a little following the release of a Labor Department report showing the U.S. job growth was up. So several top 30 currencies popular positively mooned this week. Binance Coin, BNB, shot up 18.5%. Litecoin, 25%. Chainlink, 20%. Algorand, 24%. Uniswap and Cosmos both added about 10% to their price. Top mean coin Doge mooned 22% over 7 days and topped 12 cents. Yes, a far cry from its high of 73 cents May 2021. Like last week, everyone's favorite meme coin is still responding positively to the news of Twitter's new executive manager. And the most impressive rally among the top 30 coins was Poly, which went up 28% over the last week in the wake of Reddit's booming Polygon NFTs and an announcement on Wednesday by Meta that Instagram would integrate Polygon for its upcoming NFT minting feature. It's been a week since Elon Musk took over Twitter and the news since has offered strong hints that the world's biggest microblogging that sounds so funny. Biggest micro, sorry, biggest micro blogging platform may pivot towards Web3 and crypto sooner than we think. For a start, on Monday, Binance CEO CZ Jinping Zhao appeared on CNBC and said his exchange had invested half a billion dollars in Musk takeover to give crypto a seat at the table when it comes to free speech. CZ also elaborated on potential crypto use cases on Twitter, saying that Musk's tentative plans to charge subscription fees for verified accounts could be done very easily globally and using cryptocurrencies as a means of payment. Binance last week announced it's creating an internal blockchain team okay, to assist, oh, that's, it's explicitly to assess the Tesla CEO and his crackdown on bot accounts. The previous day, Serum Krishan, a general partner, as we said before earlier in the previous article, uh, at 866-A16Z, Shared a photo with his followers. Twitter San Francisco office tweeted, he had hel he's helping out Elon Musk with Twitter temporarily with some other great people. 
the steady mainstream adoption. I, I skipped, skipped a paragraph there. Uh, of crypto continued this week on Monday. The industry cheered two important announcements. Hong Kong Securities and Futures Commissions says it is now ready to conduct a public consultation on how to give retail investors access to crypto. Although crypto exchanges are allowed to operate in the special administrative region, onboarding is restricted to investors with at least a $1 million portfolio, basically the same kind of rules that the United States has. The regulator said it is open to reviewing property rights for tokenized assets and, is le and the legality of smart contracts at some point, and it is exploring a number of pilot projects to test the potential benefits of using crypto. Potential projects include issuing NFT, and, rather, an NFT for Hong Kong FinTech Week 2022, and possibly even a pilot of Hong Kong's own central bank digital currency. <gasps> they get samples? Oh my gosh. Private equity giant Apollo Global, which stewards half a trillion dollars in wealth, announced on Monday that it will hold crypto for institutional clients through a new partnership with Anchorage Digital, the first federally chartered crypto bank in the United States. Anchorage will custody a significant portion of, Amp of Apollo's portfolio, just like three, three Arrows Capital, right? Right? Chief Operations Officer Adam Ealing said in a statement, we were drawn to working with Anchorage given their commitment to operating under strict regulatory oversight, their strong emphasis on security and segregation of client assets, and their ease of use for asset managers to hold digital tokens. On Wednesday, decentralized finance uh, pilot of Singapore's Monetary Authority, MAS, executed the first real-world use case for institutional grade DeFi protocols, according to Ave founder Stanny Kulichov, who spoke to Decrypt. JP Morgan, DBS Bank, and SBI Digital Asset Holdings used the Ave protocol on Polygon to complete foreign exchange and government bond transactions on Ethereum. The banks exchanged tokenized versions of Singapore government securities bonds for Japanese government bonds and Japanese yen for Singapore dollars as a test. Cool. That means that we're going to see exchanges going on. That's kind of neat. I mean, in a sense, digitally, we'll be able to track it all. I'm really excited about that, but we'll see how trackable it really is. Mm -hmm. So, on to the real news. All right. Let's move on over to Coindesk.com, written by Tracy Wang and Oliver Knight. Binance to sell rest of FTX tokens holding as Alameda CEO defends firm's financial condition. Hmm, what's going on there? Let's yeah, go over, okay. head on over to the tweet here. I want to talk about the tweet really quick. So here we go. This is a part, actually, I'm going to open this up and go through all four of them. You guys need to know what CZ's talking about here. So here's part one of four. As a part of Binance's exit from FTX uh, equity last year, Binance received roughly $2.1 billion USD equivalent in cash, BUSD, and FTT. Due to the recent revelations that have come to light, we have decided to liquidate any remaining FTT on our books. And he goes on to say, we will try to do so in a way to that minimize market impact due to market conditions and limit liquidity. We expect it to take a few months to complete. And it's always encourages collaborations between industry players regarding any speculation. Yada, yada, yada. We typically hold tokens for the long term, and we have held on to this token for this long. We, we stay transparent in our actions. All right. Going back over to Coindesk. Now, what has happened is, from my understanding of what I heard earlier, was that Coindesk, well, that's why we're on this article, Coindesk received a leaked document of 
uh, I guess, uh, Alameda's balance sheet, um, talking about FTT. And so apparently there's not enough liquidity to really cover um, FTX's holdings with the FTT token. So that's why all of a sudden CZ's coming out and straight up tweeting this. And this tweet is straight up a burned bridge. He started to burn the bridge <laughs> right there with uh, SBF right. and Sam Bankman-Fried. Like, like there is nothing. Like, he could have taken this private and just, just talked yep. to SBF uh, immediately. But he just tweeted out to the world like, hey, I'm burning this bridge. Everybody should leave uh, FTX immediately mm. because of the FTT token being, uh, being uh, illiquid. That's the scary part. So once again, there's possibly going to be another bankrupt exchange and this is actually a big exchange keep in mind that they just bought out ftx and they're mm -hmm. currently i think in process of trying to buy out um <clears throat> celsius and, and there's other companies that they bought is it, is it in here i think uh let's see i don't know they didn't talk about what we already said didn't. wasn't i thought i thought uh, sbf was doing pretty well at least it appeared that he was doing but i think that so the argument was so that remember how we all thought that alish machinchi was doing fine when he had been insolvent for three years so they were doing they're doing well only because they have the ability to to print out additional FTTs that are that are under their custody and that's where they're getting that that's where they're getting that that uh, quote unquote liquidity but it's not technically backed by anything and so as they continue to to produce more FTT tokens that's where you're not getting this the is the Terra problem the right this, this is what happened exactly. with Terra exactly ding 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 that's that's why that's why CZ straight up came out it's like no. We're not going to deal with this BS. This is not coming to our exchange. We're, we're getting rid of it as, as soon as we can. Yeah, we Obviously, don't want someone fabricating money out of nowhere only to make our, us fail because so many people, you know, we're holding all their tokens because people are coming on to our, our network to trade them. Right. Exactly. So that, that's why CZ came out with, with hot fire and says, you know what, you, SBF, you kind of threw us, in a way, SBF doing this kind of threw all their partners under the bridge. You know, put, to pretty much drown. You mm -hmm. know, like they, SBF didn't really care because he's making all this money. He's buying out all these companies, but in the end, it backfired after this document. After this, uh, yeah, this document was leaked, and yeah, we're gonna see what happens in the next couple of weeks or in the next couple of days. See how bad this is. But as of right now, the the speculation is that this is an absolute uh, uh, factual document or balance sheet because SBF has not come out publicly and s stated that he's gonna be suing. Um, uh, CoinDesk for for publicizing this article because you know possibly true. So yeah. we'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks or the next couple of days in regards yeah. to this. It's it's kind of terrifying, you knowing that uh, they actually have their fingers in a lot of companies. And so if this if this company actually goes under, it could take a lot of them down. Companies that yeah, yep. that's what's terrifying about this, you know. Yeah. And that's so. once again for for the, the listeners and viewers out there. If it's not your keys, it's not your coin. So if you have anything on exchange, please take it this out. Is, this is the argument for, for uh, decentralized exchanges, despite what the governments might say. Like, you want, I mean, right now, technically, just to make a, you know, an analogy to it, using green folding paper or U.S. dollar cash, you know, not at a bank, not through, you know, debit card or, or tap-to-pay uh, transactions, but actual cash, physical, physical cash. It is a decentralized exchange. You're exchanging between you and it's more of an over-the-counter exchange, really. But it's still technically decentralized in the sense of it. Other than the fact that that the dollars are printed by the U.S. government, you're still exchanging it between you and another person. And only the only way that the government even knows about it is because that entity is registered as a business, right? And so it would 
a report, I took this money from people. It doesn't necessarily know who you are if you give them cash, right? So they're just like, look, we took money in. That was a that was a decentralized transaction. All of the cash transactions are decentralized. So that's what we need, decentralized. We can still do it digitally. We just need to do it and stop centralizing all our money. So moving on here to uh, a little bit of a conspiracy thing going on here. Back on Decrypt by Sandra Lutz. No evidence of foul play in the death of MakerDAO co-founder Nikolai Michigan. Michigan. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Looks like Michigan to me. Police say. So a cause of death awaits an autopsy, but the police, at least for now, are saying that it it looks like a suicide. But the reason it seems like a conspiracy is because of what uh, Michigan tweeted uh, before he died, which is kind of weird. Obviously, uh, let me go from the standpoint of a person who's going to commit suicide will often leave a note. But the note is not usually someone's trying to kill me. (laughs) And so I'm going to kill myself before they can kill me. Most people aren't going to do that, especially not a person with, with such a bright background and future as as Nikolai has. I mean, he's been heavily involved in DeFi, and I mean, he's fairly young, or was, 29 years old. Um, and it just feels weird at this point, because it's like he didn't seem to be... We don't know everything. Obviously, someone's going to do the research and figure out what he was possibly into. But his comment about... Um, or is it here? Hours before his death, the developer um, tweeted that mysterious forces, including Mossad and the CIA and a pedophile ring, were planning to kill him. The tweet, of course, fueled conspiracy theories. And then there's this, this uh, his exact tweet here, which had 15,000 likes on it. Um, They're going to frame me with a laptop planted by my ex-girlfriend who was a spy. They will torture me to death. And, of course, unless it was psychological torture, and nobody's showed how he was tortured, but they appear to show that he he just drowned, and it doesn't look like there's any physical foul play on his body from from the body they found that they identify as him. So it's like, okay, well, then how did they torture you to death? You know, they just did they I mean I guess waterboarding could be one way of doing it, but then you know an autopsy will show if that actually happened. Um but uh yeah it's it's peculiar to say the least. And it's like what what did he get into? What was it were they trying to frame him for something? You know, was he was he doing something that the US government didn't like? Is this another, you know, Edward Snowden situation where he, he didn't flee fast enough? Um and that's why he died instead of making it to Moscow or whatever. So this article doesn't really give us the answers. It just says, by the way, this is this happened. Um, it does at least mo- make note that he was dissatisfied with the project in 2018, uh, straying from a, you know initial ideals of decentralization and opposed to government and traditional capital. But I mean, that was the whole point of DeFi. I, I don't think that's wrong. If DeFi was bad, it's it's it already exists. There's no point in killing the creator, right? It it. Killing him isn't going to make you go away. So <laughs> I don't think Maker Maker has anything to do with this. Maker Dower. No, I'm talking about DeFi. I'm not talking about Maker Dell. Okay. Um, what do you think about the stable coin that he was trying to work on? The Rico coin. Um. The Rico, you, uh, I guess. Um, yeah, a technically stable coin, right? Yeah. I don't really have an opinion about the coin mm. itself. 
Um, do, you, do you think that's what might have been the issue? Why uh, they were trying to? Well, they they, they they seem to think that it would threaten the dominance of the central banking system, right? Um, yes. I still don't. I mean, put it this way: it, as we've already found out from killing top officials in in, in associations and countries that are not friendly to the United States, it doesn't end the problem. So killing the developer doesn't kill the problem. It might slow the problem, but it doesn't kill the problem. You have to kill everybody that's interested in it. Um, and, right. and there's obviously a whole ecosystem. Of yeah, exactly. You've got this whole ecosystem of DeFi that's already existing. So it's like maybe you got rid of the functionality, but the, in the age of information that we currently live in, I don't even know how you would get rid of it. It's, you know, it's like... You'd have to be able to destroy every copy that ever existed. I just don't know how you do that. So, yeah. so the question is, you know, who was he working with? Mm -hmm. And are they going to kill all those people too? Really? Yeah. That's not going to finish yeah. it. In fact, this it's is like the problem with the, the Streisand effect, right? Is the more you, you, the more you try to hide it, the worse it gets. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, the more, more people want to see it. Articles that we need, we definitely need more information on. Exactly. Yeah, it's still sad to see someone pass away. That's a good developer. I mean, aside from developer, just a good human being, from what I understand here. <clears throat> so, oh well. Sad to say. Continuing on this with. This is the reality of things going on. The. Moving on. <clears throat> this is from Coin Telegraph, written by Turner Wright. Web3 Foundation makes bold mm. claim to SEC. Dot is not a security, it is merely software. Now, <clears throat> this is more or less mimicking of what's been going on with uh, XRP the past couple of years. So that X, uh, XRP has been, you know... Um, In litigation much, with the Fed, right? Yeah, yeah, with, with, with the SEC saying that uh, they are security and they're pretty much wrapping up their, their issues with the SEC. And I don't know, what, did you ever get an update on that? Okay, so, I, I mean, as far as outside of what's being said here, I think the, the, the big, I don't know if it's takeaway, but... The, the thing that I was, I was arguing with explicitly was whether or not the founders uh, are, are trying to get out of, of or avoid being charged for not having followed as a security or if they're arguing legitimately for these tokens that are not security. Now, I, it's I'm pretty clear that it's they're saying it's software, not security, but are they just saying it's software to just be deliberately vague? Are they saying it's software just because it's not a thing in which to invest in order to make money. I I think it's a ladder for a different reason. Go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, this quote here is, uh, it says, in November, in a November 4th blog post, the Web3 Foundation team's chief legal officer, Daniel Schoenberger, said Polkadot's native token had, quote, morphed and was, quote, software rather than a security. So... Is that a confession that it is a security initially? And if it was, then there's going to be some some backtracking litigations with the SEC there. <laughs> the problem I have with that there's commentary is it it feels deliberately evasive. <laughs> um, that's what uh, that's it, it doesn't surprise me because that's what a chief legal officer does, right? If they don't want to confess up front that it, it is a security and just just mess with the words, and that's what that's what they get paid to do. I guess, but I, what I'm, I'm trying to get at is like the core purpose is the, like I said before, is the core purpose um, of their argument to avoid being charged by the SEC just because they don't want to have to spend more money or be you know liable, criminally liable, 
Or is it because, as I truly believe, Dot, like Ripple, like so many other um, chains out there, isn't a the, the sole purpose of this wasn't just to make money. Yes, it is a thing you can do with it. You can do with it almost anything with any company, right? But the 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 chains themselves need to be reclassified, not explicitly as a security. Yes, they happen to look like securities, but they're not explicitly securities. They are security-ish, or they look like securities. Just because somebody invests in something that they expect the value of which to improve over time doesn't mean it's a security. I think somebody did that with um, Pokemon. Oh, it was with um, Beanie Babies. They said they said about Beanie Babies. They said if 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 Beanie Babies and people did invest in Beanie Babies, some people bought lots of them, expecting the value to go up in the future. But Beanie Babies were never a security, and they never they were never even argued to be a security. So that's the same argument they're saying here. Dot like Ripple, like Ethereum, like Beanie Babies are not securities because just because a person can invest in something expecting the value to go up doesn't mean it's a security <laughs> which yeah. i realize is a ra- rather circular and, and vague well, argument but that no but that no you're yeah you're absolutely right it's like those those people going out to uh to mcdonald's drive-thru and getting happy meals because they're they're trying to get the, the limited edition well, toys yeah, that are yeah. out there it's like dude, that's not yeah that can technically be considered a security right if, if we're going by that by that strict definition yes and that's right. what they're so that's trying to say is that these things need to be classified as something other than the traditional. If they're going to be called securities, they need to be something other than explicitly securities. They need to be something security-like if they are a security, which we need to argue in court about what they actually are, um, and, and identify that. Because the idea of a person – blockchain itself happens to have value, you know, tradable value, yes. So do Beanie Babies. But that's not its purpose. Now, if people use it that way, and people, let's say, let's say, stupidly and speculatively, that people started using Beanie Babies as securities, my God, it would be insane. But let's say they started doing it that way. Would the SEC then, you know, sue the company that created them, saying, hey, you didn't register security? No, it's, let's ludicrous. It's stupid. This comes, this comes back to what I, what I said last week on uh, one of the episodes last week, is that uh, there's not enough... There's a lot of companies out there that are trying to start their company on Web3, blockchain, in the metaverse, in the digital age, right? Mm-hmm. There's not there's not enough legality or policies or laws that really support their work on these platforms, and thus why they revert back to the traditional laws and 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 convert and kind of roll back their project to a centralized project. Right. And that's where people kind of like get that hiccup where they're trying to be decentralized, but then there's not enough laws and policies in place to actually allow them to do that. And they're kind of forced to go back and be a centralized entity. Right. Which sucks. Right. I mean, but start where you can and then hopefully make progress into something new. But it's kind of like <laughs> I would even use our own company as an example. We were trying in the very, very beginning when we were setting up our website to make it completely Web3. The problem with that early version of it was we get no traction. Yeah, we're Web3, but no one's using it, and it's not being distributed equally, and no one can get access to it. So we have to kind of go Web2 temporarily until we can get Web3 working the way we want it to be working. 
So hopefully, hopefully soon. Let's go to the last article here about Web3, about, uh, oops, I have the wrong art article open. Um, it's the Circle article, right? Pull this up here. Is it Circle? Yeah, Circle starts investing in BlackRock Developed Reserved Fund. Um, I didn't really get a chance to read this. So here's a quote. So today, through our partnership with BlackRock, this is from uh, BlackRock. Oh, we have begun investing in Circle Reserves Fund to manage a portion of the USDC reserves. Cir the Circle Reserve Fund is a registered Rule 2A-7 government money market funded by BlackRock Advisors LLC, and its portfolio consists of cash and short-dated U.S. Treasuries. So, if you guys don't know yet, for the cryptonauts out there, BlackRock is a big player in the crypto space they they own a lot and obviously with this partnership with 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 circle uh back in usdc even further just makes it more interesting considering that the situation with usd or yeah usdc on binance because obviously binance is the largest crypto exchange in the world right now what they ended up doing recently was like two weeks two three weeks ago they started um not delisting they started to convert usdc to busd if you were on their uh, utilizing the platform of course you could still buy usdc on on binance but uh, I, there was a situation that were there that they had to convert usdc to busd so it was making busd a lot stronger which makes already the world's strongest crypto exchange out there even more powerful now obviously that leaves usdc a little exposed knowing that they just lost liquidity there well guess who's coming to be the savior blackrock of course, BlackRock owns a lot of crypto, and here we are. Now, this is the situation we, we have going on now with uh, BlackRock entering a broader strategic partnership with Circle, um, lending $400 million uh, in la uh, last April, this past April. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's terrifying to know that there's a, what's, what's the word, um, Where, where, where bigger companies are starting to own smaller companies and kind of absorbing them. Yeah, it's a kind of more like a conglomerate, but more like a monopoly, if anything. Yeah, that's what's terrifying because that's not how crypto should be. Crypto should be decentralized, but unfortunately, when you have something like BlackRock, which is just dominating the entire world, no joke, that's what's terrifying when you're seeing BlackRock just, just swiping up everything out, out here. That's just wow. Wow. So what's what's for the future? I don't know. I mean, it, well, obviously, it's one of those things that people will go on continuing to do what they were doing before, but but we have to I don't know. Some people like the comfort of of monopolies and and being told what to do. Not everyone does. So Some people yeah. just like I guess, being I, No, I guess you're right. <laughs> simplicity simplicity is is always uh, Yep. For the, it's for the Occam's razor, right? Simplicity. Whatever is the easiest uh, answer probably is the right answer. I don't know if I'm yeah, quoting that right. That's not necessarily it's not necessarily true, especially in the crypto space, because obviously the whole idea behind Satoshi's idea is that you want to be financially independent. You want to be you want to have the ownership. That's what that's what happened with 2008. Obviously, all the money, all the investments were, were with the banks. And we're kind of reverting back to that. You know, it's, it's sad that we detached from that. But now we're just reverting back to that situation. We're, going, we're repeating history again it, it, it's just it's mind-blowing yep. and on top of that all our investments are the majority of investments are on exchanges and guess what Plop, these exchanges go belly, belly up and like like for example we we invested into uh, celsius and 
they belly flop. I'm, that's that's it, dude. It's it's. Well, but they, that's because they were lying to us. So <laughs> it was. I wouldn't. Yeah, but I wouldn't say I was completely in the wrong. It was a very con- convincing Ponzi scheme. So. And that those aren't very common. I mean, you know, the last big one we had was Bernie Madoff, and his lasted seven years, which is exceptionally long time for a Ponzi scheme. Ponzi schemes usually last one, well, anywhere between like a month and maybe a little over a year. You know, it just depends on how big they are. And the reason that Bernie Madoff's lasted so long is because his was gargantuan. Same thing goes with Celsius. When you have billions of dollars on the line, you're going to last a little bit longer because you're dealing with a lot more money. But eventually you get to the point where you're like, well, we either go to a trillion dollars, which isn't impossible but is unlikely, or we we fold. So... <laughs> Here's the last little uh, paragraph. The last paragraph at the bottom here. I just want to read this real quick. The development comes just days after Circle scored in principal approval as the major payments institution license holder from the Monetary Authority of Singapore. The authorization would essentially allow the stablecoin issuer to offer digital payment tokens, products, and carry out cross-border and domestic transactions in the Asia city state. Interesting. So yeah, USDC is actually going to be um, integrated, integrating different uh, chains like Polkadot, Optimistic, Near, Arbitrum, Cosmos. That's already been in the work, and actually they they have more coming out in the next couple of years. There's already a huge time, uh, uh, not timeline, a huge. Um, is it called a timeline? What a road road roadmap. roadmap There's a yeah. huge roadmap where they're going to be integrating USDC. So what they're trying to do is trying to distribute USDC on many chains as possible to to uh bolster its value uh, or shore yeah, up its exactly. value you yeah go. Mm. You can go yep so Make that's it. that's actually a good play if you ask me anybody that has a stable coin doing that is probably the smartest thing to do it so right now it's just five but they are actually working with i, I think uh like 20 plus different uh platforms out there in the next uh, couple of years i think like every every quarter they're going to be integrating like uh, two to two to three to five different uh, uh platforms so yeah, like literally next year, you're going to see USDC on like 20, 30 different uh, platforms. Crazy, crazy. Yep, much more common. Anyways, that's all we've got. I don't think we have any other off-channel notifications for this show. But if you would, please check out our coin tree as we showed at the beginning of the show. we got a couple places you can donate. We'd appreciate it. And if you want to check out all of our social media, it's at the bottom of the coin tree. Very convenient to get to everything. And also the t-shirt shop got three shirts on hand right now we're going to be changing this site to a different location shortly so get them while you can but the shirts will still be available once we move and with that we'll end our show thanks for all for listening and or watching if you'd like to give us a thumbs up we'd appreciate it stack sats and hodl adios Uh,